As you all know, Muddy and I don't just interview musical artists. We talk to the people behind the scenes as well. In this week's Dogger and Muddy Music podcast, we're going to talk with one of the leading webcasting production executives responsible for filming and delivering live performances from the top music festivals in the U.S., Bonnaroo, Coachella, ACL Festival, and many more. Her name is Deborah Davis with Deborah Davis Productions. She has upwards of 150 people on her team working to deliver you high-quality performances from multiple stages shown on multiple channels live on YouTube. Believe me, this is a big-budget operation with a ton of moving parts. From time to time, you may wonder, how do I find my guests? One of the answers is, if you tell people what you do, sometimes the world can become very small and very connected. It ends up that Deborah is a cousin to one of my primary golf buddies, Eddie. He's a great supporter of the show. He introduced me to Deborah, and the next thing I know, Muddy and I have piled into the car and are heading to Austin to talk with her. Thanks, Eddie. Hold on to your seat. Deborah spins a fascinating story. Amy, let's get rolling. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? All right, everybody. Uh, Muddy Waters and I are sitting here with Deborah Davis of Deborah Davis Productions. We're here at her house. It's wonderful. Up on the bookshelves is an Emmy for her production work on the Olympics for NBC. They're also filled with all kinds of awards and memories. For example, there's pictures of her with Ronald Reagan at the White House, with President H.W. Bush, along with other famous musicians and actors. Dolly Parton's up there, Matthew McConaughey, Willie Nelson. This, along with all, everything else I'm looking at around here, obviously confirms Deborah's television and webcast work is significant and broad in scope. Now, in today's interview, we're going to focus on her music festival work. She's produced multiple Austin City Limits music festival, Lollapaloozas. She just finished this year's Coachella, Bonnaroo, and more. Muddy's getting ready to hand over the mic to Deborah, so let's dig in. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Muddy. It's a really, I have to tell you, I have such a passion for, for dogs. So, you know, when you said Muddy was going to be here, I had to say yes to this interview. That's sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. And, you know, I had to get my dog kisses this morning. So he loves those. He absolutely yeah. loves and those. And some belly rubs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so and you've, got some, you've got some rescue dogs as I well. I do. Right? I have four. I'd had five, but now we're down to four. They're all foundlings. And one I've had since he was three days old, and I nursed him. Three days yes. old? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he, he, was, he was so tiny, he fit in the palm of my hand. And I had to feed him every four hours. And I thought he was going to be a little tiny thing, but he he grew up to be pretty big. So You were imprinted as his mother, I would assume. Oh, yeah. He still he follows me around and stares at me. You know, he's, he's 13 now, so yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, when Muddy was young and, and the dog before that was Layla, you'd stop and they'd run into the behind, yes. run into you from behind, which is just so sweet. It's yes. just so awesome. I know. I always have my shadows. So. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love dogs. So big, big part of my life. I'm actually even on the board of a, a rescue group and work diligently to get as many saved and rescued as possible. 
And it's on the border, right? It's on the Texas border, which is a unique situation because it's it's a lot of medical services and a lot of education. So it's been a big job, and we have a great staff. We have paid staff. We've raised enough money to have some paid staff, and they're doing a great job. That's great. Yeah, saving hundreds and hundreds of animals. I don't know if you've been following it, but uh, Dallas is working really, really hard to all the vets and all the pounds and et cetera. They're working hard not to put a dog down. They're trying to, to, they're putting together programs to find home for every dog that comes through there. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, that's one reason I really love living in Austin because it is a no-kill city. And I mean, that's the only thing I could, I could never live anywhere where it would be a kill city. It yeah. just would, it's too much. But the, the people have worked diligently and it's been, a, it's been a long road, but a lot of animal lovers here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, if you don't mind, let's, let's jump in a little bit to, uh, uh, your your world of webcasting. Sure. In 2011, a CNET article by Daniel Turdeman said your YouTube broadcast of Coachella changed the world. Well, that's one hell of a compliment. You got, yeah. you got any thoughts on that? I do. Well, that was the first year that YouTube broadcast Coachella. And before that, we had been uh, webcasting since 2005, but on smaller platforms. And so, you know, YouTube is YouTube and has the power that they have. It, they knocked it out of the park. We all knocked it out of the park. So that we really broke some barriers and, and really, really drove some viewership on that. Yeah, that was the turning point year Yeah, for us. But the viewership keeps climbing, right? I mean, you set yes. records this year, I believe. Yes, we did. Um, this year, uh, we've got the highest viewership uh, ever, and it was at 82.9 uh, million. That is, to give you some perspective on that, the debut episode of uh, Game of Thrones and season eight was 17 million. So, <laughs> so uh, it was, it was a pretty big number. We're really proud of that. The Lannisters are probably upset over that. <laughs> Let's hope that they don't bring their dragon. That's right. Yeah. 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 Hope the dragon doesn't show up. Well, plus also last year's viewership was like around 44 million, I believe something like that. Yeah. We more than doubled it this year. I mean, that's that's mind-boggling. It really is. It really is. But there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, we take a lot of pride into having very, very high-quality video, which is paramount. And uh, we've, we've seen many stats that that's what the consumer wants. We were able to, to get all three headliners this year, and, of course, that helps. We're not always able to, to clear them because there is a process of where we have to you know, get the rights to videotape them and but it's been going up every year. I mean, more and more artists are interested because of the viewership and the quality. So, yeah, it was it was it was a great year. YouTube must love you. <laughs> well, they're reaching out. I mean, YouTube is also going to be a distributor at Lollapalooza this year too. We're we're looking forward to working with them again. And you're potentially going to be nominated for or you're up for a... Well, this year, because of our programming on week two of Coachella, it allowed us to be qualify for an Emmy Award. So we've we've submitted for that. We'll see if we get nominated. Hopefully we will. All right. Yeah. Well, well I wish listeners could vote for you. We'd do that to help oh, get you thank in there. But you. I don't think we get to play in that uh, selection. No, but, but, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting. Darn it's, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before we turned the microphones on, uh, you're kind of one of your early moves into the music world was MTV at Singapore? Yeah, I had been doing some work with MTV beforehand. I had done a show called Hard Rock Live, three seasons with them. And, and I remember I, that. And so I had I had a history with, with Viacom. They were ex- 
expanding to the Asian market, and I was able to go over with a team to Singapore. We were based in Singapore. I rented a house there for six months. We developed the programming, the studio, the hiring. We were able to work with multiple cultures because it wasn't just Singapore. It was Thailand, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and India, and we we had... VJs from all those cultures and we what an had, education it was great I mean we did all the casting for them we we worked with them we worked with all with all the writers teaching them the MTV way and yeah it was really great it was really great and then I took advantage of being there and took a little side trip for a couple of months on backpack through Asia so backpack oh wow I, yes Very yes good it's Very amazing good. how much you could just live without until you you know have to but I yeah. compliment you. That's really cool. That's great. Yeah, it was it was it was great because when are you ever going to get to be able to do that? Correct. You know, right. and I, at the time I was free. I didn't own a home or have uh, had cats, but somebody was watching them, and so I took advantage of it. It Was great. That's great. That's great. Let's come back to to current day. Over fifty two percent of Americans will attend a music festival or a concert this year. What are some of the stats on viewership of festivals and concerts, that, like like the, all the shows that you do for YouTube? Well, there had been a concern early on that we had heard, which is that uh, some people felt like viewership might go down if events were live webcast. But the absolute opposite is true. I'll bet. 67% of folks that, that watch a webcast say that they will go out and buy a concert ticket. Right. And then of that, 30% of those people will go out and say that they will actually want to buy a ticket to that exact event. It's like, you know, specifically like a Coachella or a Lollapalooza. So it, it really drives viewership. Um, yeah, because if you love music, watching it on TV is okay, but it's totally different when you go to the event. And your webcasts give, give people a sense for the whole environment and, and fires people up. Oh, I got to go there next year. Exactly. And the other thing that we're able to do is do a lot of behind the scenes. Uh, another statistic is, is 87% of people that watch webcasts say that they want to see the behind the scenes, the interviews, the bands just goofing off or just, sound checks. Well, it just runs the gamut. I mean, yeah. just the art on the, uh, like Coachella's known for its art. So just seeing the, the art, seeing the food vendors, seeing the fashion, you know, all of that, not just the bands, but which is, you know, the main part of it, but also just the culture, the vibe, the energy. Yeah. You take them in, you pull exactly. the person into, you get them as close to, being there as possible, mm-hmm. yes, which is awesome, and we're able to to interview a lot of the artists, and you can drill down on on some you know specifics and how they feel about being there. So that it's it makes it a it makes it a bigger experience. Yeah, that's great. Another big impact show I think you had last year was was uh, you did a show with Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce headlined Coachella last year, and it it, it was quite the phenomenon. In fact, in fact, they started calling. Coachella, Beachella, and uh, <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, and and she has a Netflix show out now that features a lot of that footage. So she really changed how how it was done. She rehearsed that show for weeks before they came to Coachella, and we had to be involved in that. They wanted exactly the same equipment they had been rehearsing with, so we had to bring in a whole new 
switcher and a whole new camera setup and everything that just matched exactly what they've been rehearsing with. Sure, and the sensor was kind of, some of the action was scripted as to, okay, you're going to be using this camera now and this camera it was scri- It was very scripted. Fascinating. And she had over 110 people on stage. She brought in a band and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So now, going forward, a lot of the artists feel like they need to, to up their game. And so Childish Gambino this year, who was headlining at Coachella, he also did quite a bit of rehearsal prior to coming. And they actually hired our crew to go and shoot it so it would be the exact same crew rehearsing as it would be shooting it. Do you remember how many cameras you had just for the Beyonce or for Childish Gambino? Gosh, for Beyonce, that's been a year. So I think it was about 10. 10? Yeah. And then for Childish Gambino, it was eight. Wow. Yep. Let's pull pull our camera angle in a little closer. Deborah, what all's entailed in the responsibilities of a music festival webcast producer such as yourself? Well, there's really three arms of that. So one is dealing with the talent. Another one is dealing with the client and the sponsors. For Coachella, since we're talking about Coachella, our, our client is Golden Voice, who's the promoter. And our sponsor is is ultimately YouTube, but then they, they have secondary sponsors that they sell rights to. And then there's the logistics part of it, which is, you know, the hotel, catering, Oh, parking. wow, you've got to cover all... Oh, for your staff. For my right. staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our staff for Coachella is about 150. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, you've got to house them, you've got to feed them, you've got to fly them there. The thing about not all festivals, but that particular festival is everybody has to be brought in because there's not... It's in a small area, so there's not local talent. There's a little bit of local talent, but not much. So a lot of people come in from Los Angeles. It was just three, still a three-hour drive, yeah. and you still got to put them in a hotel. It, so the, the logistics is massive because you're, you've got to make sure all those people get paid. And, right. and that's a process in itself because they have to fill out a ton of paperwork. So we have a whole, a whole staff that just does traveling, a whole staff that just does the catering, a whole staff that just does their credentials. Oh, my goodness, um, Deborah. Yeah. And we have to have transportation, like to and from. So there's to and from to the venue to the, where we're staying. It's, that's, it's a logistical job. We have a couple of people that just do it, and they're great. They're fantastic. And then part of it is dealing with the talent directly. Now, I don't, unfortunately, get to talk to the artists themselves. I'm usually talking to tour managers. or I'll bet. But they're very specific about where they want their camera placement. They may have content that they want to play on the screens. They may have very specific ways they want to be shot. We're dealing with the talent quite a bit. We also are dealing with them as far as their audio requirements because many they have multiple multiple tracks that you know we have to to record audio tracks. We we need to know what their band plot is. We need to know what their what their their layout is of their bands and how many how many inputs that they have and it's quite a bit of work we 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 start about three or four months out well and then on top of that so think of all listeners think of all that information that she's doing just for one stage whereas i think you mentioned earlier when we were off mic that you're recording five stages at a time right it really depends on the festival but again to use coachella as an example that is we're doing five stages we had 20, 26 cameras this year on the stages in addition to an, an additional six what we call robo cameras, which are the automatic ones that are will hang in the truss or around. So, yeah, probably around 30 cameras altogether. 
for that. Uh, yeah, and and every stage has its own is sort of I've sort of set up just like its own little entity. So each stage has a director. Each stage has an audio uh, component to it with a sure. multi-track audio. Sure. Each stage has its own camera people and production assistant, and so they act as their own little unit. We have five of those. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So And so it sounds like you have kind of like a, a guide for each one of the shows that are going on that you and your key lieutenants are watching and supervising to make sure you kind of follow the guidelines that everything's that was agreed to before the show started. That's correct. Like I said, some, a lot of the artists will have very specific needs. So part of my job is in the morning to have a, a meeting with, with all the key people. And everyone at that particular stage knows what's happening at that on that stage, that specific stage. Sometimes we'll, ha- we'll need to add an additional camera, or sometimes uh, artists will want to have their own camera people or their own director come in. So we have to know that and, and plan for that and support them when they want to have their own people come in. And we don't, we don't mind that because they're on tour with those people and they know their shots. Yeah, it's, it's a logistical, it's an ongoing logistical situation there. Yeah. So the good thing is, is you don't need any sleep, right, to, to manage all I that. sleep at Coachella about four hours a night. I'm just going to say. Yeah, yeah, we go quite late. This is an amazing amount of stuff going on. We all have to be there. There's a whole set of things that have to happen, even if only one stage is going to start early, right? So, right. but with, because the trucks still have to be opened, we still have to have make sure that people are being fed. So, so you have, even if it's one stage, we still have to deploy many, 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 many people. You start early and you end late and you don't get any sleep, but we love it. I mean, that's, we're a bunch of gypsies. (laughs) When you get a call to, to do one of the festivals, what are, what are your steps then making it happen? The very first thing we have to do for a client when we get a call for uh, a festival is we have to create a budget. And then once that budget's approved, our next step is to hire our staff and crew. The first folks I always uh, hire are my office staff because they're going to help me hire the rest of the crew. And we have uh, a production manager. Uh, We have production coordinators. And then we have office assistants, about four of those. Then and we have an accountant who deals with all the payroll and that, and I have to get her on board as well because all these people are freelance. Then we move on to directors. Each stage has its own director, and each stage has its own cameraman. So each stage has approximately five cameramen. <laughs> so if you have five stages, that's 25 cameramen right there. Each stage needs uh, a, what we call a shader, which is the person who – Shades the camera. So if you ever go into like a Best Buy and you see all the different TVs and they all look a little different, we don't like that. We want it to all look the same. So we have to have somebody who sits there and rides the levels and sets up with the color. You see the color bars and they set up with the color bars. So those are called video shaders. So we hire each one for, we have five of those. We have the people who have to record the video. So those are the tape operators recording all ingesting all of the, the different cameras. We, we isolate each camera. So we have a feed of each single camera on each stage. Yeah. Then we have all of our technical crew who actually cable the whole park or venue or, or the site or where we are. For instance, at Coachella, we average about 12 miles of cable. Okay, um, that's good. Yeah. 12 miles. Mm-hmm. So you need a whole bunch of people to <laughs> to put that out there. So it's not only the cable for the cameras back to the to the video uh, trucks, it's also we create something called a fest net. So if you're 
in the beer lounge, for instance, and you want to watch uh, one of the stages, we have TVs there. We have uh, and catering. We have TVs. Uh, we also work with the security folks who want to be able to view different stages. So we work with security and give them a feed. So we had this year at Coachella, we had seventy-two of those, seventy-two different <laughs> discrete feeds out throughout the the park. Good God! Um, so there, it takes a lot of cable and a lot of people. Those are called utilities. Then we have our production assistants, and they work in a lot of various positions so not only are they, they're a little specialized so they work with each stage as, as an assistant to each stage we have them in the office but we also have a crew that uh, works in what we call clearances so before we can shoot any band we must clear them and get their get their licensing rights to, yeah. to be able to show them so part of that is being sure to get a couple of things with those artists one is their set list okay so we can know which songs are when and then we, what we do is we also record each band's video and we give them a link to Vimeo so they can watch their performance. Now, that does a, that, we do that for a couple of reasons. One, it's just goodwill so they can see their performance and it helps them. And another is post-festival, we do VODs. For instance, with coming up for Lollapalooza's, which is our next job, we're obligated to, I believe it's 60 or 70 VODs post-festival. So the way we do those VODs is the artists can pick one or two songs. So they would like, they like to see their performances so they can see which songs they want to pick. So that group, uh, which is about five folks, will work with those artists and make sure and get the songs and get that information to our, to our team that's clipping those and get those up on the website as well. It's a lot of people. Oh, to say the least. And then, of course, all the video truck folks have their engineers. So, like I said, we have multiple video trucks, multiple transmission trucks, multiple audio trucks, and all of those people are sta- have staffs as well. Wow. You, yeah. are, you are crossing a lot of T's and dotting a lot of I's. Yes, yes. I have in my head an image of... I'm a I'm a sports nut, so uh, Monday Night Football and and the viewership of when they give, show you a flashback shot of the people in the truck with the just tons of cameras in front of them and deciding which shot is that a fair image for what you're you're handling too? Well, you're you're tapping a corner of that image because that it's say you're watching a football game. That's one show. Good point. One venue. One. We're doing five. So you can multiply that. Good golly. Yeah. Yeah. So by five. We have multiple trucks. We roll with about six trucks. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I say trucks, just so, so for clarity for your audience, those are mobile control rooms. That, you know, so that's, that's the vernacular is the truck. So these mobile control rooms, we have a master control where we everything is brought together, but we it, each individual stage has its own control room that would look like the NFL, yeah, right. So they're because that's one show each. So each in, uh, individual Goodness. stage has its own control room, and that gets fed into what we call a master control. And in master control, all the graphics are added, and com- any commercials that we have commercials are added, and then that is what's that truck is what pulls pushes out what you see on the the different channels, right. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So you've got, I would assume you've developed, your lieutenants you've worked with quite a while. You, you, yeah, we have about a 95% retention rate yeah. over the last uh, 15 years. Yeah, I, I, would, I would assume that's very important. To, it's to, very important. Our team, is, our team is very tight, 
and they're the best at what they do, and you know we trust them a lot. We couldn't do it without them. How is technology? You know, you, I think you've been doing Coachella for what? Uh, Since two thousand six. So the technology has changed over that time frame. What, massively. What impact has that had? <laughs> massively, massively. Well, cameras have gotten a lot better, for one thing. Uh, this year we used the Sony. Here's a. <laughs> Here you go, Sony. Here's a here's a here's a shout out to you. But we use the Sony uh, 3500s, which are they ha- almost give you a film look. This year we 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 really concentrated on more of, of thematic that kind of richer, deeper film look than and less of a television look. So we use the state of the art cam- cameras. We use the state of the art equipment all around. But the biggest change for us has been from satellite transmission to IP transmission. So we used to go out via satellite and it would have to be, you know, uplinked and downlinked. And now we go via IP internet and it's much faster, much clearer. You don't lose any resolution and it's almost instant and we can distribute it much wider. Fascinating. If you have the link, you can, you can get it right. So, Used to you'd have to with a with an uplink truck you would have to have a downlink, you know, uh, truck to or take it down or or dish. So this this is much 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 more versatile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And these shows, kind of stepping back, the these shows are people are watching these webcasts around the world. This is this oh, is yeah. not just a U.S. deal. This is everywhere, right? This is everywhere. And part of what we do is we we cater to the international market because we sometimes different sponsors will be in different markets. So we're able to give say for instance Brazil at Coachella got a separate feed because their their sponsor was different than than our US sponsor. We we're able to split that off and and what we call dirty feeds versus clean feeds. So what that means okay. dirty feed is anything that has all your your graphics or commercials already in it. Whereas a clean feed doesn't have any graphics. So you don't want English subtitles or you know the right. thirds in China, for instance, so they are able. We're, go well, right? So we're able to send them something without what we call the clean feed without graphics, so they can input their own graphics if they wanted. Wow, I'm gonna jump back in in concert recording history. Back in 1978, Martin Scorsese recorded the band's last waltz concert. At one point, he only had one camera on recording Muddy Waters. My tribute to my puppy dog here, Perf- performing "I Am a Man." Uh, he soon realized that one camera wasn't enough. He didn't realize, I don't, I don't think he fully understood the impact of muddy, muddy Waters. So he's scrambling to get people back to cameras. So instead of having just this one camera angle, he can add more color to the picture. Do you have a, a war story or, or two like that? Or, or what war stories do you have for all these shows that you've done? Well, I have a couple of comments about Scorsese and, and that. I mean, he was shooting that what, what was called a single camera. So what we sh- we do is called multi-camera for that very reason, is to get multiple angles, get reverses, see the audience. So, I mean, we we all learn from that that wonderful film. So that was really one of the first ones to really jump into that world to a well. Yeah, Wood, well, Woodstock, had, uh, Woodstock had been there, but still, it was still very early on in its neophyte. Period. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The multi-camera is is really the is really the only way to shoot music because of that reason. There's so much going on. Sure. But war stories, you know, we've been very blessed with the festivals. I mean, we work with the best equipment and the best people. I don't really have any war stories 
from the festivals, but I will tell you a story that happened to me when I was doing a beauty pageant in Brazil. A beauty pageant in Brazil. Yes. Okay. So we shot the beauty pageant, and I went back to the video trucks to get the tapes. Back then we shot on tape. We all do it digital now. Sure. But uh, to get the tape, and the fellows in the tape room said, we don't have the tapes. Excuse and me? And I said, what are you talking about? Well, it turns out they had the tapes, but they wanted 100000 American dollars to give them to us. Oh, okay. So what ended up happening was I ended up staying in Brazil for two weeks. We had to fly in lawyers from Los Angeles. Oh, man. And every day we'd wake up and the lawyers would talk and I'd say, am I going to home today with the tapes? And they'd say, not yet. And I would just go tour around. And for two weeks, I toured Brazil. And we finally got the tapes and I flew back to New York and we were able to to get it on the air. That's yeah. a story. Yeah, that was pretty bad. To yeah. say the least. Yes. But now one area of production that you have no control of is weather. So am I correct in assuming that sometimes you're scrambling and your creative skills are stretched out a little bit when weather issues hit with hit outdoor festivals? Yes, weather outdoors festivals is a very, very serious thing. We take that very seriously. I'll bet. We don't want anyone to get injured. We have evacuated at least four times at different festivals. Uh, Lollapalooza twice. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Now, when you say evacuation, I mean, it, it, you're talking a huge expanse of land. We're talking 150,000 to 200,000 people leaving it, an area at one time. It's massive. It's massive. Wow. Yeah. But what we do, we have a couple of, we have uh, a couple of things that we work with with the, with the festivals is we're constantly in touch with the weather Folks that are at the festivals have people who watch the weather constantly. That's just their job. They got to. Yes. Yeah. And we're constantly in, in touch with them. And there's different levels. The worst thing, rain is not the worst thing. Uh, lightning and wind. Wind is the worst thing. Because you don't want a bunch of huge video screens flying around hitting people in the head. The first thing that we'll do at a festival is we bring down the screens. We won't bring them down where you can't see them. They'll just bring, lower them to the... You know what I'm talking about, the yeah. jumbotron screens. Right, yep, yep. Um, absolutely. Uh, we'll bring them down, and then if it gets too bad, they'll cancel. They'll hold, they'll hold off the concert, and if it gets really bad, then they'll cancel. But we've, we have had to do that, but then we also work with them as we, we have pre-programmed different slides and different messaging for the screens. So if it's, you know, it's everything from take cover to standby to please evacuate. So we, we help the festivals through that communication and to get the messages out. Uh, we also have something called, we, we call it the voice of God, but it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's called the Festival Network, where we can go live uh, audio-wise and give people instructions on what to do. And that voice of God is, is actually part of our scope. And we work with all the audio people at the various stages where there's a central point where somebody from the festival can get on, on the microphone and give very specific instructions on what to do. Unfortunately, I want to spin from here to the tragedy in Las Vegas two years ago. Has that changed some of these big festivals? It most show? certainly has. Security is paramount and for everybody. I mean... <laughs> Using Cozyello as an example, because we just got back from there, you can't bring anything in. You, you everything, your backpack, everything is is searched. They have dogs, 
uh, I guess they're bomb dogs or True, that, yeah. that walk through constantly. They're, I mean, Good. I saw maybe 10 or 12. Speaking of dogs, of course, I always want to pet them because they're so cute. <laughs> and they're saying, no, you can't yeah, pet them. You can't pet them. No. <laughs> um, they come through c- constantly. So you see a very heightened security yeah. for sure. I mean, and it's... I mean, good because we we need right. that, but bad but, because but sick at the same time. Yeah, that yeah. We have, that and we have it's to also do that. a pain because it just takes you if you're trying to get to work. It takes you. You have to allow another like twenty thirty minutes just to get through security. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and used to we could pick up multiple credentials at one time for our staff. We, now we can't do that. Every every person has to pick up their individual credential and show their driver's license, and you know, getting to work has has become a bigger challenge. Well, Deborah, as you mentioned earlier, you got around 150 people working for you, and so the weather gets really, really bad. What are your steps in taking care of your people, and and how do you keep in contact with them to pull them back in? Well, uh, first and foremost, the festivals are, do wonderful jobs of having plans. I mean, Lollapalooza, for example, has their whole site laid out as a grid, and they have markers on, on various light poles and different things. So if you, if you have, there's an accident or a medical issue or something, if it's your staff or even somebody, something you witness in the audience, they're on top of it. You can get on the walkie talkie. We all have walkie talkie. We use about a hundred walkie talkies for just my staff. I'm in it's thousands of walkie talkies throughout the whole festival, but you can say I'm at block 38 dash 22 and they'll know exactly where you are so so the festivals themselves have wonderful plans but us uh, as a team for my organization and my company we at each stage we have a team captain and it's usually one of the production assistants our production assistants is is assigned to each stage as sort of like the they're the sort of a little bit of the captain there they make sure they get fed they make sure that they sure get enough water if somebody's feeling ill they make sure that they get them you know, where they need to be and uh, let us know. But those those are sort of the team captains. They know exactly how many people they have at each stage. And it we have meeting points at each stage. Lollapalooza is where we have had the worst weather because we're right on the lake. And we have various meeting points. Uh, there's a couple of underground areas over there. So stage one will go into this underground area. Stage two will go this place. Uh, via walkie-talkie, because a lot of times the cell phones won't work in the bad weather, uh, they are to report to to my second and let her know, each one of them will let her know that they have all their team. And then from there, we'll give we'll give instructions. Uh, we have disband completely, but a lot of times we will come back if the weather clears. Via walkie-talkie, we'll let them know wow. when they can come back. We have had entire crews uh, at Lollapalooza one time come with buckets because we were parked right by a, a storm drain that backed up and it and a lake basically formed right where our video trucks were and so we had 40 people on a line like the old uh like yes. you, know, you know like if we were putting out a fire line um <laughs> from, with bailing from an buckets. old silent movie yes yeah. with bailing buckets we've done that before we learned from that one. Now we, we keep, uh, if it's going to rain, we bring over pump trucks. So, but the, wow. the, which the festival provides us. But yeah, we have a very strategic plan for making sure we take care of each other and take care of ourselves. It's amazing how, how much people really care for each other when, you know, when, when there's a situation. And we've all been together for so many years. Like I said earlier, we're, we have a 95% retention rate. So yeah. so we're a very tight family. And, That's um, great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I love it. 
Well, I think, if I remember right, you're, you'll be packing your bags pretty soon to head off on another festival event. Yes. C- can you give us kind of uh, your agenda for the rest of the year, the uh, festivals that you're going to be participating in? So I can, can tell you the ones that are firm. Uh, we'll be doing Lollapalooza and Austin City Limits this year. We're bidding on uh, a number of other things. So what, 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 Even this late in the year you are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just bid on um, Woodstock. But it's not happening. Well, so. I thought they uh, is it finally firm that it's not happening. I mean, last well, week knows? last week they were arguing back and forth that it is. Still I'm happening. pretty sure we're not going to be there. Let's I'll just put that. Yeah, I'll just put yeah. that it's, out there. It doesn't but. sound good. Yes, from what I read. Yeah, but uh, we were we were really looking forward to that one because they wanted to shoot on 4K, which is we like being challenged with new new things. And oh, cool. Anyway, those are the two big ones for the year, and there. Well, like I said, we have. Four or five quotes out right now for various other things. So we'll be busy. We'll be busy to the end of the year. I love it. Well, Deborah, this has been great. And, and listeners, if you want to check out, Deborah's got a website, Deborah Davis Productions. Is that right? DebraDavisProductions.com. Yes, and yeah. that's D E B R A. Yeah, check it out. And uh, so you can keep track of her, her activities. And I really appreciate your welcoming Muddy and me into your home. Oh, gosh, of course. Absolutely. Any dog is a friend of mine. <laughs> well, I think he's he's getting along with your four pups very, very yes, well. Yes, thank goodness. Yeah, as long as we keep giving him the belly rubs, I think they'll be okay. That's right. So we're gonna I'm gonna get him in the car and we're gonna head back home. But thank you so much and have a great year at your festivals. And thank I hope you. hopefully we can sit down and talk again. It was such a pleasure. Great. Thanks, thank, Deborah. Thank you. Bye bye. I love sitting down with Deborah and talking about the festival webcasting world. She is producing gigs on steroids, I tell you. We are publishing this show right after the conclusion of Bonnaroo over in Great Stage Park, Tennessee. I hope some of you caught the show in person or via Deborah's YouTube webcast. Be sure to put the Austin City Limits Festival on your calendar for the weekends of October 4th through 6th or October 11th through 13th. The headliners are Guns N' Roses, Mumford & Sons, and Childish Gambino. But get a load of this. Casey Musgraves, the Tours, Gary Clark Jr., and so many more awesome artists will be there as well. On a side note, another one of our trips this past spring was to Big Bend. It was our first trip there. I was totally blown away. It's beautiful. The challenge, obviously, is a long drive through nothing to get there. But I found Big Bend simply awesome. One of the nights, there was no clouds and no moon. The stargazing was amazing. The more you looked, the more stars kept appearing. We'll definitely be going back. In our next show, we interview Kenny Withrow, the lead guitarist and band leader for Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Be sure to tune in. Till next time, be sure to play your music loud. Can I see over me to try 
just this to falter and to taste to receive. Is this a dream? I won't. 